Women Taking the Lead, Episode 26. I love to see a young girl go out and grab the world by the lapels. Life's a bitch. You gotta go out and kick ass. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. This episode is sponsored by Luma Coaching. Want some support to get your dreams off the ground? Go to womentakingthelead.com forward slash coaching to sign up for a consultation with me. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Barbara Roach, who is an executive coach, professor, and workplace learning specialist. She helps professionals advance their careers through leadership development coaching and training. She's also a lecturer in the Management Communications Program at the Wharton School. She is the author of Commit to Confidence, 30 Strategies to Help Women Step Up and Stand Out. Barbara received a master's degree in psychology from Northeastern University in Boston and is a proud member member of Red Sox Nation. Okay, Barbara, that's just a little intro for everyone, a nice little teaser there. So tell us more about you and your own humble beginnings. Thank you, Jody. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, the simplest and fastest way to describe that is I am one of seven kids in, wow. a, yep. <laughs> exactly, in a loud and connected Irish Catholic family. And that about sums it all up. I feel like we're sisters yes. <laughs> already, yes. And in that, obviously, what came out of it was a skill at communicating, but also, quite honestly, a little bit of self-doubt and second-guessing that I think comes from that mindset that, you know, am I worthy enough for this? Do I deserve this? And that sort of filtered its way through my younger years of that hesitation. And I have been working on that ever since. <laughs> mm, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, I have um, similar yeah. experience. I think coming from a big family, to some extent, you know your place yeah. in the family, but it's a little unclear your place in the world. Yeah. yeah. Like, who are you outside the family and as an individual? That's right. And then just kind of growing up with that mindset of, you know, you're not supposed to ask for things, you know, be polite, uh, don't put yourself out there too much. Some of those were implicit messages. They weren't necessarily uttered by an adult, but it was something that we all, the girls at least, picked up on. And I feel like that's something that I have done a lot of work on, and I'm proud to say have been successful at, but it's still always there, and it's just like working a muscle, I've decided. Once it's been implanted in your brain or heart or mind as a woman, you just have to keep working it so it doesn't take over. Yes, I love that. And Barbara, you've had success in your life. You've definitely gained confidence, and you've written about yes. it, which is awesome. But take us back to a time when you were playing small, and you may not have been aware of it at the time. Share with us the story and the lessons you've learned. Well, a couple things come to mind already, but just given that this is like college application season, and I'm hearing all these stories of you know, high school students who have applied to 30 schools or something. So crazy what's going on now. And one of the ways in which I was playing small is I applied to one school 
I didn't know that that was what you were supposed to do. And I mean, I was lucky I applied to one because that was just that first inkling of, oh, I'm starting to realize this is one of the things I'm doing that's I'm limiting myself by not thinking bigger. And another one that's more relevant to your audience is I vividly remember in one of my first career launching jobs, I was very proud to get this job. The CEO walked in one day on a meeting I was having with a colleague. Now, keep in mind, this colleague is a woman. I'll just call her Helen, just for the sake of this story. She was getting her doctorate in business administration from Harvard. I mean, this woman was serious. I mean, how many people get their doctorate? Usually they stop at the MBA. So she was very smart and very capable. And the CEO came in and said, hey, I need you to to work on a project. You only have three days and it's going to be sent to the governor of, and we'll just pick a state, say Indiana. And I need to send this to him by Tuesday and it has to have X, Y, and Z in it. And this was one of those knock, knock, by the way, I'm running out the door kind of assignments. And I panicked inside, panicked. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. There's no way I'll never be able to get something that not only would the CEO be proud of, but that the governor of Indiana would want to read. And I, before I even opened my mouth, Helen said, oh, sure, that's no problem. How many pages? It was so great. And I, uh, on the way home, I said, make a note of this moment. (laughs) Because she did not go right to that playing small, hesitant, disbelief in one's own skills. She went right to, okay, we can do this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like without judging the work that was going to be done. Like, what do you want? We'll do it. We'll submit it. And not worry about it beyond that. Absolutely. That's what happened. So I've, I've thought of that moment many times in my career because it was so pivotal and I'm glad it happened. And while I would have preferred that I went just like she did, okay, sure, how many pages, but at least I learned from it. And it's that thing where that, that voice can come through. In moments when you don't want it or need it, and you have to have the skills and the mindset to push back. Mm. And, you know, what's coming to mind, Barbara, is, you know, even in your pre-story, too, and I'll get to that in a moment, is what's coming to me right now is we all have this um, barometer of what we're capable of, and it's wrong. Right. Like, if we can all... (laughs) Just realize that we are capable of 10 times what we think we are capable of. Right. The world would open up to us. But it's it is so true because the people who mentor us, who have more experience than us, more often than not, they're saying to us, you're capable of so much more. That's right. And it, it's so true. And, you know, when you shared about only applying to one college, yeah. I was laughing on the inside because thank you for sharing that because I applied to three. <laughs> <laughs> and really, this this is what they look like. And it was only after being badgered by my parents <laughs> to do this was to apply to a pie in the sky school, yeah. right? The one I would love to go to, but was not going to go to <laughs> the school I had already decided I was going to, and a backup plan. Yep. (laughs) 
that was it. Those were the three. So I really could have just applied to the the one I planned on going to and, and was going to only do that. Yeah. But my parents wouldn't let me stop there. So <laughs> that that cracked me up. And I'm sure there are people listening to this too who are like, mm-hmm, yep, right. that's pretty much what I did as well. Right. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Now share with us a time in your journey when you had a wake-up call. Take us back to that moment and share with us the steps that you took that led to your success. Well, this is a fun story, and I'm, I'm happy to tell it because it was it had everything you want in a moment when you alone can advance your career or not, that we sometimes go through our career thinking it's always about somebody else's decision. Are we going to get the project? Are we going to get the promotion? Are we going to get the networking opportunity? And in this situation, my husband had decided to go back and get his doctorate. So we were moving again, (laughs) and I was leaving Boston. That was really hard, (laughs) and I needed to find a new job, and I saw this job in, of all places, the newspaper, which doesn't happen anymore either, and I applied, and I wasn't hearing anything, and so a few weeks later, I called the office, because I know all that stuff. I knew it then. You know, you've got to take control of this, you know, just push the thing along. So I called and I got the organization's receptionist and she seemed really nice. So I said, well, if I get this job, she's going to be my direct report anyway. So why not talk? And I said, well, I'm just curious, where am I on the list of people you're going to bring in for interviews? And she said, oh, well, I can tell you that you're number 16. And I said, oh, okay. Out of how many? And she said, 10. (laughs) (laughs) It was Perfect. I said, 16 out of 10. Did you just say that? Yes. Well, that is really helpful information. Thank you so much. Who is the chair of the search committee? She said, oh, this person, we'll call him John. Yeah, John is chairing the search committee. Do you have his number? Yeah, sure. Here it is. Now, I don't know if it was because we got along well on the call. I don't know if she gave the number to everybody. But the point is, there are times when you don't, you can't get the phone number unless you ask. So, and I say this to my students all the time in MBA programs, you have to ask. So I thought it was worth asking. She gave me the phone number. I called before I lost my nerve. And luckily, I got his voicemail. And I said, John, I'm here to tell you that your rank ordering of the people you're bringing in for an on-site interview is wrong. I will prove to you that I am the ideal candidate. And I'm happy to talk to you by phone if that's something you'd like to do before you bring me in. And he went to the next search committee meeting and said, we got to bring this woman in. If she's that confident, we have to interview her. And I got the job. Wow. (laughs) Okay, Barbara, (laughs) I've got a follow-up question (laughs) because I know there are women and men listening to this right now who are thinking, I could never do that. What, what had you do it? Like what, what state of mind were you in? The state of mind was I could crush this job. This job has my name on it. So that's the mindset I had already, why I applied. And because honestly, between you, me, and your listeners, <laughs> it was time for me to have a leadership role. I, that, that was my goal. So I wasn't going to take a sideways parallel job. I thought that was a, a mistake. So I already had that intention. So you put those two together, and I just had all this energy. And I think it was just this 
nice, engaging conversation with the receptionist that it just seemed like, oh, this is a regular company, real people. All the, all the myth of it had been shattered, you know? Mm. Nobody was this bigger, mythical, smarter, more talented person. It was just real people. And then also, I had this mindset, look, what's the worst that could happen? That's the first question. She says, no thanks. He says, no thanks. And how will I feel about this 10 years from now if I don't try? And I decided I would feel regret. So I did it. Wow. That'll light a fire under you yeah. right there. <laughs> and I love the points that you make, like, especially when you got to the place where you realized we're all people. That's it. Right. There's, there's nobody's on a pedestal. Nobody's better than you. Nobody's worse than you. I find I hit that place every now and again, not always, not as often as I would like, but when I'm in that place, I don't fear walking up to people. Right. Exactly. And, and asking or starting up a conversation, right? No behavior seems, you know, any behavior I would do normally, right. Does not seem out of the realm or inappropriate. Um, and two, like you had identified that this job was meant for you. Yeah. And so I would even put out there to the people listening, like when you come across something where you know that it's meant for you, it is yours, it has your name written all over it. What are you willing to do yep. to make sure that you get That's it? That's right. That's absolutely awesome. Right. And just a little aside, because I'm a career coach as well as an executive leadership coach. The problem now is these automated systems that sort resumes electronically is no one's friend and qualified people are slipping through just because of that. So now even more than back in the day, it really does pay to try to call and get a person on the phone. And sometimes you won't and that's okay, but if you can, it's worth a try. Yeah. I love that. All right, Barbara, what I want everyone to get is there is no one way to lead. Yeah. We're all different. We all have different values and skills and abilities. So we're all going to lead a little bit differently or a lot differently. And it's and that's OK, too. So, Barbara, how would you describe your leadership style? All right. Well, the boring, technical, academic answer is democratic participatory, because if you think of them as three slices There's the more autocratic, task-focused kind of person. Then there's that very people, they care about harmony type of leader. Some of us are hybrids of that. And that's sort of where I feel like I fall in. So, But my answer, my personal answer is I am one part project manager. I care about execution and goal setting. I'm one part interpersonal and supportive and one part fun. (laughs) And how do you have fun with the people that you're leading? Simple things like a little rituals in the weekly staff meeting. So, mm-hmm. well, I remember starting a ritual of catching someone doing something right. That was always fun. And one time I forgot to do it and people said, hey, we can't leave yet. You didn't catch somebody doing something fun or right or positive. You know, It was pretty hilarious that they remembered. And just celebrating the small things. And then just as a little aside, I did have an experience where my two bosses, for whatever reason, decided on this one day when we all got this moment of success, the the client had said, yes, that was huge. We all worked so hard on it. And we all ran over to celebrate with them 
and they were in the glass enclosed conference room. So we were just about to open the door to give everybody high fives. And, and the two of them kind of silently put the hand up, like talk to the hand, like don't bother us, don't come in. And we were crushed. And I remember thinking, you know, I'm never going to do that when I'm a boss. <laughs> mm. You know, just don't miss those moments. They're worth it. Yeah, that was a huge moment where you could have connected with them right. and they could have connected with you. It could have felt like a team that's right. win. Yep. Oh, that's huge. You know, and it, it it's it's sad but true, but oftentimes we gain the best lessons on leadership <laughs> from yeah. the bad experiences. <laughs> And the bad examples when we go, I'm never going to do that. Right. And that guides us. That's right. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> so we need that. Actually, you know what I heard earlier was was so great. Um, a statement where the person said, the solution comes wrapped inside the problem. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, it, you know, I re- I want to spend more time thinking about that. But that's what also comes to mind right there. Like, that was a problem. That's right. And there, the solution was right there. Like, and then from then on, you have been a better leader because of that experience. There's no doubt that stayed with me and I internalized it and set a commitment to defining my leadership style as a result. I love it. Yeah. Okay, Barbara, what is one thing that you're working on right now that you're really excited about? Oh, well, it's a couple of things, but one that is the most important is the second edition of my book because... Since I wrote my first book on helping women step up and stand out, I have had this file called 2.0, just, just <laughs> to get a place to collect things. And I have, in the past few months, gotten so many things to put in that 2.0 folder that now I feel excited about the fact that I have even more to offer, more to add. And so that's just really exciting. And it's that feeling deep inside that you just get like, it's almost like a butterfly feeling, but in a good way, like, oh, this is going to be great. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And your first edition book was phenomenal. I've I've read through that. (laughs) Great insights, great knowledge, but then also exercises and applications. And it was, it was a coach's dream come true (laughs) reading that book. And then just, I I wanted to share this with your listeners because it just happened this morning and it's just exciting to me about not undermining ourselves. I always have a year end paper that my MBAs have to submit. And I've been watching this woman all semester and she's just been becoming more assertive and more confident before my eyes. And I thought that was a really important thing. And she just wrote this powerful statement of, even though I know that I'm growing in my confidence, there's that self-doubting person lurking in the background. And I just went, oh, I want to work with this person. <laughs> just, uh, what, a, what a lovely thing to say. And it's so true for a lot of us that if we don't keep working it, we may let that inner voice, the self-doubting voice, get too loud. And I really believe that's what this woman's been working on all semester. Right. And, you know, Barbara, what just came to me, too, is confidence is a lot like our health. Yeah. 
if you work at it, right, you can, you have every day, you have to eat right, you have to be active, you know, whatever that looks like for you, like our bodies are meant to move and, you know, nutritious foods, our bodies respond best to. Our health is a reflection of how much we've been putting into it day by day. And our confidence is as well. It's one of those things where no matter how good your confidence is, you, you've got to keep working at it because there is that tendency to backslide. Absolutely. Yep. I love it. Okay. Now we're going to do a quick leadership roundup. So Barbara, tell us what is one practice that makes you a better leader? Something that I'm continually working on and that's listening. I think it's underrated. I think it's almost a dying art and it makes you such a powerful leader if you just get better at it. So I work on that a lot. I'm going to, I'm, I know you can handle this question. So I'm going to give you a follow-up question because listening is a broad topic. What, what's a practice, um, that you use to make you a better listener? Okay. Well, first of all, everything has to be shut off. (laughs) So your phone, just don't even hold your phone, put it away so you can't even see it. So there's that, the simple tricks of just not being a distracted listener. And that just has to do with our, our age we're living in of social media and, having alerts every two seconds. So that's one thing. I just don't even let my phone be in my sight. But the next thing I do is I try right away in the early moments of whatever I'm trying to do or or talk to a person, what's the context? And if I can hone in closer on a context early on, I feel like I put more of my energy toward the person. Oh, that is so true. Yeah. That. Okay. What is one book that you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership? Well, if, if they haven't read it, the most basic go-to helpful book is Leadership Challenge by Kuzes and Posner. That's K-O-U-Z-E-S and P-O-S-N-E-R, Kuzes and Posner. It's a fantastic book on leadership and it has great research in it and they're just great writers. So I can't say enough about that one. It, and I call it it's like being in an MBA program year one. That's what it's like. It's like leadership 101. Oh, I'll have to check that out. Okay. <laughs> and what is your favorite healthy food? Well, without a doubt, avocados. I ah. cannot get enough of them. <laughs> and if I don't have one, I feel like, oh, I missed out today. I didn't have an avocado. <laughs> so that's my thing. <laughs> And how, how do you like to eat your avocados? Well, I try not to add too many extra calories to them. So mm-hmm. sliced on a salad or in a sandwich are my favorites. But who doesn't turn down a great guacamole? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Absolutely right. And you know what I find, Barbara, is when I'm experience, um, experiencing a lot of stress, when a lot's going on in my life, you know, even if it's all good stuff, right, you can feel like the tension rising. I tend to crave creamy foods and avocados will do that for me. And just, yep. just like you're, you're saying it, I can throw it in a salad yep. and then I get that creamy fix. Yep. Um, and it's a healthy food, although you're right, it already has enough calories. You don't need to add much more to it. That's right. So, that's awesome. <laughs> okay. And Barbara, knowing what you know now, if given a chance to go back and do anything differently, what would you change? Well, in general, the first thing that comes to mind is I was a late bloomer, and I think part of that is just your, your family experience, your genetic, and that kind of thing, and that's fine. 
But part of my being a late bloomer was just holding back, hesitating. You can't do that. And though my mother isn't with us any longer, she was a great mother. But the thing that she taught us, I think, was just more that women were to hold themselves back a little bit. Like, I think that message came through at a young age. And we girls in the family, I think we had to relearn what it meant to be assertive, step forward, step out, and seize what's coming at you. So I felt like a lot of things passed me by just because I didn't have the right mindset for it. So start sooner. And I think just the only other thing, if I were to do something differently, I wouldn't have waited for promotions and key projects to come my way. I would have done what I did with the your 16 out of 10. <laughs> I would have done that mm-hmm. kind of thing sooner. But I waited a lot, like, oh, somebody doesn't think I'm ready. Well, guess what? It turns out there's research on this that women will look at a job description. They'll see that they've only have seven out of the 10 requirements. So they think, oh, I'll get those extra three, then I'll apply. Men just apply. So that is so profound to me whenever I see research on that, because that was me. <laughs> You know, and I want, I would love to say that I've overcome that <laughs> at, at this, this stage of the game. I'm 40. I've been in many leadership roles, but I actually had an experience recently where I hesitated to ask to do something. It was taking on a responsibility to um, facilitate a round table. Yeah. And I thought, oh, well, only people at certain levels are doing that. You know, region, it, it's like a region, like, yep. In international organization and regionally, all the executive directors do that. I'm not an executive director in this organization. So I hesitated and somebody said, well, why don't you ask? And I was like, oh, right, I'll do that. (laughs) And I offered it up and the executive director was like, that would be incredible if you could do that. Right. It was just one of the like, like just your example earlier, your story earlier, like just ask. They can say no. That's right. But you don't know until you ask. Oh, that is... um, Awesome. And, you know, I have to say, because this has come up twice where you said nothing directly was said yes. to the girls to tell them to he- to hold back right. and to hesitate. But there's power in a look. Oh, God. Right. Yes. And we learn from infancy how to interpret the looks of parents and adults around us and brothers and sisters, too. Right. So <laughs> sometimes nothing has to be said. You get the message. Absolutely. Yeah, like, especially at the times I can think back to like family events or holidays where you're getting a little loud or out of line and that look and you stop. Yes. You know, but it doesn't have to be really loud or out of line for that look to come. It's just like, nope, this isn't the place to do that. So, Barbara, thank you for that. All right. Share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you. Well, I think you and I don't know this about each other, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say we agree on this. While it's been overused, I cannot put a quote more important than Marianne Williamson's, the short version is, you're playing small doesn't serve the world. But just in case your listeners haven't heard it, this is Marianne Williamson from her A Course in Miracles, which is a phenomenal book. Our deepest fear is not that we're inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? 
your playing small doesn't serve the world. I love that quote. And Barbara, you're going to laugh because you hit it on the head. Every episode of this podcast ends with that quote. Oh my God, that's hysterical. I mean, it's so great. And what's so amazing is that Nelson Mandela is the one that made it popular because he said it in one of his speeches. So that's amazing in and of itself. So because it was possible that you were familiar with that and possibly that your listeners were, the other one that I tend to really get it, a kind of a jazzed up, go get them feeling is when Maya Angelou passed away, I don't know if you saw it, but they, there was a, several websites that were running some of her famous quotes. And one of them I'd never seen before is this one. I love to see a young girl go out and grab the world by the lapels. Life's a bitch. You got to go out and kick ass. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, I've never heard that quote of hers. And I've read several of her books. I had a teacher in college turn me on to her books. And I think at that time she had five or six in in a row that were um, in publication. And I read them all. (laughs) She's got a wild story. So I can imagine her saying this. I've just never seen this quote before. I'm definitely putting that one up. Yes. All right, Barbara. Lastly, what is the best way for our listeners to connect with you? The simplest way is Barbara at BarbaraRoach.net. So that's B-A-R-B-A-R-A at BarbaraRoach, R-O-C-H-E dot net. Simplest way. Okay. And do you hang out on any social media platforms where someone could come find you? I'm, I'm definitely on LinkedIn and Facebook. And it's Barbara Roach Executive Coaching on Facebook and Barbara Roach on LinkedIn. Awesome, Barbara. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. And you can find all the links and resources shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com or you can use the short link, which is womentl.com. And Barbara, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We're all better for having met you. Thank you so much, Jody. It was a pleasure. Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Were you inspired to take some action today, but maybe don't know where to start? Or maybe you have so many great ideas, you can't decide where to focus your attention. Don't let stress or overwhelm stop you from having the career, the business, or the life you want to live. Head over to womentakingthelead.com forward slash coaching, or use the short link womentl.com forward slash coaching to sign up for a consultation with me. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson, so here goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining me, and here's to your success.